0: Thank you for choosing the podcast of East Haven Baptist Church in Brookhaven, Mississippi. For more information on the ministries of East Haven and to access videos and sermon notes from our services, visit www.easthaven.net. How many of you have heard the phrase never say never? Just raise your hand, okay? I'd say that most of us have heard that phrase. That's where we're going this morning as we begin our new sermon series, Hot Topics for a Hot Summer. There are some heavy subjects we'll deal with this summer. I may or may not tell you when those particular Sundays are, but every Sunday we'll deal with something like what I just presented, something we've heard a phrase, well is that true? Is that not? What does that really mean? Might have been an opportunity to share the gospel. Well, you may find that out today with this particular subject. You've got a listening sheet on the back of your worship guide. And then it may be we deal with some heavy things that go on in our world. And it may be it's time, as a Christian, not that you hadn't dealt with some of these things before. I'm still new, so I don't know what all you've dealt with. That we need to say, well, what does the Bible say about homosexuality? So, what does the Bible say about Whatever might, you just fill in the blank. So you pray. As I pray from week to week, got a general idea about what hot topic to deal with. But today, never say never, question mark. Or I did think about this title, a message from a three-button sport coat. Now, let me explain. On our senior adult emphasis Sunday, we had a breakfast. And so I was telling a few people, uh, one uh, uh, of our deacons in particular, I, I'd never call his name, I think his first name's Jim, but anyway, uh, we were talking, and, and I was sharing with Jim that in college, and I've told a few of you that during college, during the holidays, my folks thought it'd be good if I had a little part time job. Didn't necessarily do a whole lot during the semester because I was trying to pass and play a little baseball and those kind of things so they gave me a break there but during the during the holidays I had to little Harold had to find a job so I found one at J Medius Limited at the Metro Center which I'm showing my age it was a men's clothing store some of you may remember J Medius Limited right by Helen Jones Sports Store which no, I don't think it exists anymore or even the Metro Center for that that matter but that was that was my place so I I I, I I work with in, in clothing in helping men find the right sport coat, so I still I still like that. I still like to know. Okay, can I wear these white shoes and can I wear this sport coat? Can I do all this? And I got to tell you, I'm a little bit behind on that. Haven't been in the in the clothing world for. Well, several decades, but I, I go to. I have a go to my son-in-law, man, Logan, uh, Logan Crane. My son-in-law is all about fashion. I said, Logan, what about this? These shoes, all right? Logan, let me take. It. And he he helps me out. So if I ever dress and you're thinking, you know what, that, your fashion isn't working, don't get on to me. Get on to Logan. I'll give you his email. I might give you a cell phone. That'd be a little fun. You talk to him. Get on to him. But but so I was talking about the clothing world. By the way, some of you may wonder, I wonder what our new preacher might do if he wasn't a preacher. Do You ever ask preach, if you weren't a preacher, what would you do? Well, I think I've just told you, one of the things I think I'd do is I'd work in a men's clothing store, you know. I'd enjoy fixing people up. They came in for a pair of socks, and then they left with a coat and a tie and a I would enjoy that kind of thing, especially with buds. And so I, I think I'd work in the clothing. Say, well, what else might you do? I'd be a coach. I'd like to be a coach. That's what I was headed toward at Mississippi College. That was my major P.E., heavy intellectual subject there. And I was, I was going to be a coach. And I just think, I think coaches and teachers have one of the greatest callings in the world and opportunities for influence, but that wasn't what God had in mind. Well, what else might you do, Pastor? I think I'd be an undertaker. I would. I've thought about that. I've thought, I think I'd be, I'd like to be working in a funeral home. You know, you you get to comfort people and and you get to walk through different things and ride down the road with your lights on and just, you know, I'm just thinking that might be good. There's always snacks there in a funeral home. I'm thinking that might, that might be good. But speaking of snacks, now here's what I'd really, I got to make sure I got it right because I've watched it on television, so I know this is a big deal. Diners, drive-ins, and dives. Man, I'd like to have that dude with that wild hair's job just travel around the world and eat. That sounds good to me. But anyway, that has nothing to do with the sermon. So let's go back to the sport coat. I think his name's Jim. I wouldn't call his name, but anyway, I think his name is Jim. And so I was sharing with Jim. Now, Jim, when I worked at the clothing store and you have a three buttons, you, you, you all what you, you button the middle one. And sometimes you, you might button the top one with the middle one, but you don't ever do this. He says, Oh, yeah. Sometimes, never, always. I said, What'd you say? He said, Yeah. It's because it's, he had worked at the clothing store, had a lot more experience than I did, because I never knew that phrase. He said, With a button, with three buttons, sometimes, always, never. Always, if you have a three button. Now, this isn't in the Bible, this part. It's not even in the Baptist faith and message. We went over that today, and that never came up on page three or four. Section B's letter C. Or, or number three. No, it's not, it's not there. But it's like in fashion, if you got a three button, always you know, it's always good to do this. Sometimes you, you do this. Can y'all see over there? I don't want you to miss this. Heather, can you see? Yes, okay. And then never, you don't do, you don't. Now, don't embarrass your friend sitting beside you that's got a three button in all of them. It's okay. It's not in the Bible. I'm just telling you that, that we're going, so, <laughs> we are going somewhere with this. But I, so I thought, well, Jim, man, I never knew that. You should have told me that beforehand. I just met him three, three weeks before that, so he couldn't have. But that's, that so see, you got something extra today. When you go to work tomorrow, And you see a fellow with three buttons, if he ain't buttoning it right, go help a brother out. So, look, my preacher said. (laughs) And so, when I told this deacon, I think his first name's Jim, I said, look, that sounds like a sermon. And he's kind of grinned at me like, man, you are nuts. But I started thinking, and I, I shared with Rob a few weeks later, and I'm thinking, yeah. So it could be a message in a sport coat. But I want to I talk about that, and we've got scriptures, okay, selected scriptures for each one. Now, the first one I want to talk about is always, always. You got one, best, one button, always, number one, this has to do with the Christian life. This has to do with walking out our faith, and this eventually gets to the title. Never say never? Hmm, I wonder about that. Let's go with the first one, always. Always be prepared to share the hope that is within you. 1 Peter 3.15 says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that is within you. But do this with gentleness and respect. Always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that is within you with meekness and fear is another version. Now here's what it's saying. Simon Peter is writing to people that had come to Christ and they were being persecuted for their faith. And some of them were having trials and tribulations just like we do and going through difficulty. And he was saying to them, hey, this is an opportunity. This is an opportunity for those that don't know Christ to know why you have hope. That doesn't mean as believers we don't grieve. That doesn't mean as believers we don't have no good, very bad, terrible, awful days. That doesn't mean as believers we don't sometimes get down. We're humans. But it means as a pattern, no matter what is going on with us, we know the joy of the Lord is our strength, and it's an opportunity for people to see that guy, that gal is different They're going through a difficult time, and yet they still have joy. What is it about them? And it draws people to us. That's why we should not be negative Nancy, depressed Dave on a regular basis, or downer Dave, meaning we're all going to have those times. But we need to let people know especially, Especially when we're going through difficulty. My God is sovereign. He is my foundation. And he is going to help me through this difficult time. And that's what they were going through. So he was writing to this early, these, the early church and these early believers saying, I know it's hard. And I know people are giving you a hard time. Some of you are being abused because of your faith. But stand strong and use this as an opportunity to draw them to Christ. Be a vessel for him. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that is within you with meekness and fear. You see, as we come to Christ... And as we grow in Christ, we need to be somewhat skilled apologists. Deal with apologetics, meaning we're defending our faith. This is why we believe what we believe. This is why. This is where you can go in Scripture. Now, that happens over years and over a journey. Folks, there were were things in seminary that I studied and I grappled with and I thought, okay, this is what I believe. And then I'd come to something else. Okay, okay. This is what I believe. And then somebody may ask me about that particular doctrinal issues decades later, and I think, I'm going to have to get back with you on that. I studied that once, but it's been like 10, 12, 14 years. I don't have a photographic memory, and that's why in seminary they say, we teach you things, but don't think you're finished learning after you graduate from here and you get that that, uh, piece of paper. You go back, and you learn, and you go back, and you tell people, if you don't know the answer, let me get back with you, and you go back and study. And you Google it, you go to gotquestions.com, and you study, and you say, let me tell you what the Bible says, and I understand about something. Look, it's a journey from the moment of salvation until we die. We're learning, and we're grappling with things. Don't think you have to be Mr. Answer Man or Miss Answer Woman, but we do need to know what we believe and why. That's why in the new members class, we went over the Baptist faith and message. We hit some of the highlights of essentials that we believe as East Haven Baptist Church, as a Southern Baptist Church, but more than that, as a believer in Jesus Christ. And so, sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Always be prepared to give an answer for the reason, for the hope that is within you. In apologetics, during a difficult time, it can be hard, but it can also be a Great opportunity. We don't need to miss it. I don't know about you, but I'm always greatly uh, inspired when I watch someone that knows the Lord that goes through a difficult time. And, and some of those you know about that lost a child in an accident, their spouse passed maybe at a young age, or maybe after living with a spouse for 50 years. Or they lost their job. Boom, job's gone. You following? You tracking with me? In other words, we all have different trials. Sometimes it can just pop up. And I don't know about you, a lot of times what I do is zero in and I watch that person, their body language, their speech, how it affects them. Sure, they may have a tear. That can be a good thing. Jesus wept. So, but you watch their life and you see that many of them have a strong foundation. And it's like, I knew that person was special, and now I know even more because I've watched their testimony through this difficult time. It's a great opportunity, folks, for us. God tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 that He comforts us in our trials so that we might comfort others that go through the same thing. There's things that when I get to know my church family, if somebody goes through something that I hadn't, I usually say, hey, you, I need you to go help me minister to this family because this family over here has lost a child in an accident. I haven't experienced that, but you have. Will you go help me? So sanctify the Lord God. Always be prepared to share the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, meaning with gentleness. We don't beat people over the head with the Bible, but as we have opportunities and we can turn the conversation toward a loving conversation about God's faithfulness in our life, we need to do it and be ready to do it all the time as we walk through life. As we go to school, as we go to work, as we go spend time with family, we go on vacation this summer, there's all kind of opportunities that God gives us when he need to be ready. So the first one, first button, always be prepared to share the hope that is within you. That those who speak maliciously against you, 1 Peter 3.16 says, against your good behavior and Christ may be ashamed because of their Slander. Sometimes we look at people that are well-known like Joni erickson Tata. Some of you know she's been paralyzed for decades. And she's famous. She's written books. She's well-known. And she's been an example of this. Don't think you have to be famous or well-known outside of Lincoln County to be used by God to what you've been walking through. God can use you too. Secondly. Sometimes, sometimes we need to walk away. Listen to this. In Mark chapter 6, Jesus is sending out the 12 to go and share the gospel and make disciples. And this is what Jesus says in chapter 6 of Mark verse 11. And if any place... Will not welcome you or listen to you. Leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. Shake the dust. How many of you heard that phrase before, maybe in church? I'm going shake the dust. What does all that mean? It says, sometimes. We need to walk away, shake the dust. It appears four times in the New Testament. Each time, it's Jesus speaking to the disciples when he sent them out two by two in Mark 6, 11. And any place will not welcome or listen to you. He's saying, you leave that place, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. Modern phrase, I wash my hands of it shaking the dust. And we need to make sure the Lord leads us to do this. We don't need to decide on our own. Well, I'm going to just shake the dust. I'm going to just walk my hand. We, we can't just randomly do that. We need the Holy Spirit to speak to us and know that we've shared the gospel, and we've shared the gospel, and we're praying, and we keep, always keep praying. We shared the gospel, and God at times may say, you need to walk away. You need to shake the dust, wash your hands, shake in the dust, in effect, was saying that those who rejected God's truth would not be allowed to hinder the furtherance of the gospel. Now, listen to this. I'm going to say it twice. Jesus' instruction to shake the dust reminds us that we are only responsible for our obedience to God, not for the results of that obedience. Remember that. I'll say it again. Jesus' instruction. To shake the dust reminds us we're only responsible for our obedience to God, not for the results of that obedience. Now, furthermore, on this subject, there's a book I read years ago. I think there's been a small group study in our church at some point. It's entitled, When to Walk Away by Gary Thomas. I read and I quote from the book. It says Since Jesus came to earth to walk among us, Christians. We tend to think that walking away from anyone or letting anyone walk away from the truth is a failure on our part. But Jesus walked away or let others walk away a lot. As powerful as Jesus was or is. As brilliant as Jesus was and is. As pure as Jesus was and is. And as surrendered to God as Jesus was, not everyone he interacted with changed, repented, or agreed with him. Let us never forget that. Here's the principle it went on to say. Sometimes to follow in the footsteps of Jesus is to walk away from others or let them walk away from us. Don't forget that. In other words, don't continue to be consumed, to be consumed, to be consumed. To be consumed with an individual or a group or a person that refuses to listen to the truth of the gospel or of God's word. Because if we do, we can miss people that are dying and going to hell because we think we can't walk away. There is a time and a place to walk away. We better listen to the truth though. We better make sure the Holy Spirit has spoken to us before we ever take that on ourselves. So we we should be careful there but have discernment because there's a time. Sometimes we need to walk away. Yes, sometimes we need to walk away, because if we don't, here's what I wrote, you can spend a lot of wasted time trying to be their Savior when only the Savior can rescue them. The Savior can rescue them. Thirdly, Never. Now, I can't keep it there, so I'm going to. Never resist the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Never resist the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Never say never to Jesus. And that's for believers. And that's also for someone who's never genuinely put their faith and trust in Christ. Where they've repented of their sin and put their faith and trust in Jesus, realizing that we're all in sinners and he's the only one that can save us. Be born again. Never, ever, ever, ever. And we're going to look at this in three ways. There's a subpoints to the outline. You can write them down or just make note. The first one deal with Christians. Verse two. Third with non Christians. Never say Never. Three ways one can can resist the Holy Spirit. The first one is this, grieving the Holy Spirit. Paul told the church believers in Ephesus, chapter 4, verse 30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. It's the Holy Trinity. It's God. He can be saddened by our behavior as a believer. As I was thinking about that, I thought, how can we identify maybe as more in our finite minds as believers? And I'm going to try to help. Some of us at times have seen those commercials, or we may know somebody or have had somebody like this, a child that has cancer. and You see those commercials, and it's just, it does what? It breaks your heart it breaks your heart. As a child of God, when we don't listen to the voice of God, it can break God's heart. That's the most simplistic way I know how to explain it, is that Grieving the Holy Spirit, God is heartbroken when we allow the cancer of sin to rob us of our joy and we waste our lives. Because why would He do it? Because He loves us and He gave His life for us. And we're missing it if we're not careful. We don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. What's the second way as believers? Quenching the Holy Spirit. Paul told the saints in Thessalonica, do not, this is 1 Thessalonians 5.19, do not quench the Holy Spirit of God. Just as fire can be quenched, the promptings of the Holy Spirit can be stifled. When God is leading us to do something, when God is leading us to share something, when God is leading us to say something, to execute a vision, to do whatever it is, and if we do not do it, we can squitch the Spirit of God, even in a fellowship of Jesus Christ or a church. We want to be part of that. We need to be reminded of it. If God is asking you or me to do something for Him, we need to trust Him and obey. We don't want the blood of others on our hands. East Haven, let's not be a hindrance to what God is leading us to do today or tomorrow or next month or in the days ahead. We are the family of God and we need to have each other's back. That goes for your pastor and your staff and your deacons and your leaders and anybody that's a member of the church. We don't want to be a part of quenching what the Holy Spirit is doing in this open door and what he wants to do in the days ahead. I believe in since there are things that are going on that only God can do. I'm telling you, man can't do it. I've been in some of those churches before. You have too. I've seen times when that ain't happening, but I've seen times when they are, are they beginning to happen? You think, yes, that's a God thing. God, don't let me mess it up. That goes for all of us. We don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. We don't want to quench the Holy Spirit. Number three, we don't want to resist the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that convicts us of our sin. And there are some that say no to Jesus. Never. Ever, ever say no to Jesus. Stephen was on trial before the religious leaders in Acts chapter seven. And he preached on God's faithfulness. He concluded his message with a pointed Radical, accurate evaluation of those that resisted the Holy Spirit. Drawing them to repentance and putting their faith in Jesus. And he says in Acts 7.51, you stiff-necked, I believe he's pretty bold. You stiff-necked, uncircumcised in heart and ears. You always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so did you. He's talking to religious people. He's talking to those that were haughty in spirit. And he's saying, you're just like your fathers and your grandfathers and your great-grandfathers and all those in the past. And he said, you are stiff-necked and you are unwilling to humble yourself and admit your sin and put your faith in Christ alone. Hardening their hearts. Never, say never to the Holy Spirit and here's why we should not delay salvation. Here's some things I wrote down and I'd share with you in my study. One, the Bible's command to repent is accompanied by an urgent appeal to do it now. Second Corinthians 6, two. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation when the Holy Spirit convicts we're to respond. In Psalm 95, 7 and 8, today is the only you would hear his voice. Do not harden your hearts. The Bible is clear. Today is the day of salvation. Do not harden your hearts. That's why. It's clear. Secondly, no one knows. The day he will die. This isn't trying to scare anybody. I'm just speaking reality. Some of you have had somebody die in the last year or two. You had no idea it was coming. We don't know. That's another reason. After death comes the judgment. Luke 12 records the parable of the rich fool that thought he had plenty of time. But the Bible says this very night your life will be demanded from you. We have today, we have the present moment, and we should use it wisely today. Thirdly, three, because every time we refuse to repent, we continue to sin, and our heart gets harder. I'm going to tell you about a guy at my first church, Mr. Merritt. First church. This was decades ago in Middleburg, Florida. Danny Bennett, he was on staff. We'd go see Mr. Merritt. <clears throat> we'd share the gospel with him. And, you know, and I, I never had anybody do this before or after. But this is what Mr. Merritt was. He would listen. He'd say, I've heard that before, guys, but I just don't want to make a decision. And one day he even mentioned, because he was aware of the Bible, he said, I don't know if it's, I've, I've just resisted so long that maybe I just can't. I've never forgotten that, and I've wondered. Not only God knows, but I tell you what, I sure wouldn't want to take a risk on that. To harden your heart and harden your heart where you can hear it, but it doesn't pierce your mind and heart. In other words, you've you've hardened your heart to salvation, to the gospel, over and over and over. And God finally says, let your will be done. Thy will be done. Eventually, that can numb an unsaved person to the point of being past feeling. This is dangerous. Don't be presumptuous. I believe there can be a point of no return, as I just stated, and only stated, and only God knows when it is. Romans one twenty eight, and because they did not think it worthwhile to acknowledge God, God delivered them over to a worthless mind to do what is morally wrong. In James chapter four verse seventeen. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. There was a time God shut the door of the ark and the flood swept everyone outside the ark away. There came a time when the wedding party began and those who were not ready for the coming of the bridegroom were locked out in Matthew chapter 25. Why do people reject? I think one reason is because they may think, you know what, I don't want to be odd for God. I ain't coming to Jesus. I'll be some kind of weirdo. Listen. God created us. He makes us the best version of ourselves that we'll ever be. If we weird, he'll make us the greatest weirdo in the world. If we cool, he'll make us even cooler. If you're a baller, ball player, he'll make you a better ball player. If you're academia, you love academics, you like science, he'll make you a better scientist. He'll make you a better student at college. He'll make you a better salesperson. Who knows, you might sell sports coats one day. But some people think, oh, man. I, and see, here's the problem. They put their eyes on a person instead of Jesus. I mean, what is, what's weird anyway? Depends on your perspective. I mean, believe it or not, Kelly says some people think I'm weird. I can't believe that. But some people, I'm telling you, they think, well, if I become a Christian, I'm going to I'm gonna have to button three buttons and wear a big old King James Bible. Hey, turn bird. Maybe you flip channels the wrong time. Listen. Come to Jesus and meet Him and allow Him to help you be the best version of who you are because He'll do it. But some people think that's it. It's sad because they're missing out and they could spend eternity in hell. Here's another reason. I'm not good enough yet. My answer to that? You ain't never gonna be good enough. Exclamation point. Well, I gotta get I gotta uh, turn over a new leaf first. I gotta see if I can do this thing. You ain't never gonna do this thing. What, 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 you, what, you, what you waiting on? You waiting on the good out, do you bad ain't happening. Forget it. If righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. Put your faith in Jesus. He's the one that cleans us up. He's the one that sanctifies us. He's the one that helps us fulfill our purpose. That don't work. I'm not good enough yet. Don't do it. Here's another one. I don't know enough. Me either. But I know this. I'm a sinner, and I'm wretched, and I need a Savior, and Jesus has paid the price. He's not on that cross anymore. He rose three days later. And he said, if I confess with, with him my mouth and believe in my heart, I shall be saved, Romans 10, 9 through 12. That's all I need to know. And he'll help us with other things as we grow and, and wrestle with things. And if he finally gives us an answer to our, our theological dilemma, it may be decades before you cross that path again. And you may, well, I think I forgot. Well, you yeah, ain't forgot you saved. You go back, read it, and say, oh, yeah, that's what I believe. There's essentials and non-essentials. But the essential is we are all saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. We're not going to ever know all there is to know about all there is to know. Well, That doesn't mean we have to park our brains when we come to Jesus because there are answers. And by faith we search for them. We we deal in apologetics, and we know how to give an answer. But I don't know enough. That might be one. And here's another one: pride. God hates pride. Pride is a sense of uh, I don't want people to see me make a decision. What are you gonna think about me at work? Pride is, well, man, I got I got a good job, I got money, I got everything. What what do they say? There's no trailer with all your stuff behind a hearse. It, it don't you know, it just goes to somebody else. And a lot of that stuff we work so hard for, it gets old. You know what? I got me a new grill. I made some hot dogs, I made some hamburgers yesterday. The day before, I like that new grill. You know, what? I mean, it's sharp. You just, I mean, you don't even have to light a, you don't even have to bring a match. I don't even have to that lighter thing where you put, you just, boom, turn this thing. Man, those hamburgers were good. But I'm going to tell you what, I know what's going to happen. About a year or two, that lighter thing's going to go out. Guess what? I can't fix stuff like that. It's going to get old. That's the same thing with cars and houses and all that's fine. But We can waste our life if we make that our God, the love of money. Not having money. God can use that with the love of anything besides Jesus. Pride. Some men, guys, some of us, need to set our pride aside, put our big boy pants on and trust Jesus as our personal Savior and Lord. Say, dear God, I am sorry for my sin. I am putting my faith and trust in you alone. Now, here's how we're doing invitation. It's going to be a little different today. I don't want any kind of, uh, there might be a little soft music in the background. Rob, but no singing. Matter of fact, I just want you to keep your seat. And this is our invitation. This is not the invitation, a public invitation. We can do that another time to join the church or some other decision. And those are always important. This is an invitation for salvation. You are doubting if you died tonight, you'd go to heaven. And it might be you are saved, but you're wrestling with it, and you need to talk to somebody specifically. So the people that normally are here, Daniel, you come. Uh, Some others that have been in here for invitation, I need a few ladies, a few men. Come on, Larry. Some of you, some of our deacons, Scott. What I'm going to do, yes, Michelle, I want you all to turn around. No, I want you all to stand here and look out there like I am. And this is the invitation. If you're here today. And you are doubting your salvation. Or you know you've been resisting the Holy Spirit of God to give your heart to Him as Savior and Lord. Meaning you've never been born again. This is your today. This is your day. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. You say, well, I don't know what people think. What's that? That's pride. You say, well, I don't know the answers. I don't either. But I know I'm wretched and Jesus has paid the price. You put your faith in Him. Say, yeah, but what if I can't be a good person? (laughs) Guess what? Coming to Jesus doesn't mean you become perfect. It means you're forgiven. He helps us grow in our relationship with Christ. And he helps us with our strongholds and our weaknesses. Today is your day. Men, women, whoever is here. Is there anybody here? You say, well, wait a minute. What y'all going to do with me? If you're a lady, come to one of these ladies. If you're a man or you're a male, and this can be a teenager, you come to one of these guys. Somebody that's resting with their salvation. You could barely hear the music. That's all. You're going to stay safe. You say, well, this is kind of hard. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I want to make sure that you have a chance to nail down your salvation. This is your day. Today is the day of salvation. This is your opportunity. Please don't leave here doubting again. If you've been doubting, don't do that. Please don't do that. Kneel it down. Talk to somebody. Settle it. It may be you realize, I am saved. It's worth setting aside pride and coming. I know what some of them say, what if nobody comes? Listen, let me tell you, God helped me a long time ago with that. you an invitation. When I was first a pastor, I used to think, man, what about those times when nobody comes? And God got a hold of me and said, look, that ain't up to you. You're supposed to preach. You do your best. You trust me. Somebody, one person comes, that's fine. Ten people come, that's fine. That, God helped me with that a long time ago. This is God's invitation every Sunday. What we do is dependent on how we respond to the Holy Spirit. If he's speaking to you about salvation or making sure, I want you to come right now. Find somebody. They're just going to talk to you about it. You can go outside the building, go in one of the, in the rooms, and just talk through it. Anybody? This is your opportunity. Today is the day of salvation. Please don't leave here wishing that you had talked to one of these men or one of these women. They're going to leave outside and go to the invitation room, and they're going to talk with you about it and settle it prayerfully once and for all. This is about salvation. Anybody else? Dear God, we thank you for your word, for the security of the believer when we put our faith and trust in you. We thank you for those that have made public decisions. We rejoice in their courage. I pray for them even now as they're talking through and praying through things. And, oh, God, I pray if there's somebody on Facebook Live or in the building that's still wrestling with stuff, that, dear God, they won't leave this building without talking to somebody and nailing it down. Thank you that we can be saved and sure. Lord, I pray now as we go through the remainder of this day and in the days ahead, you'll help us to be reminded to never, ever, never say no to your Holy Spirit's prompting. In Jesus' name, amen.